Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. We're going to continue our series in the book of Luke, Luke's Gospel. We'll be reading this morning from chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. And if you can rise as you're able as we read together God's Word. As Jesus continues his sermon, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on your cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way that you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you expect to, re- expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot lead a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher. But everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. May God be honored by the reading of his word. You may be seated. Sounds easy enough. Hey, I tell you what, I'm so glad we have the Gideons here today. I really am. And can you, can the Gideons stand real quick? Come on, if you're a Gideon, let me see, let me see who you are. Can you stand up? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Thank you. You know, I'm glad we're featuring them today. And I love the testimonies. You can go online and read the testimonies. The the Gideons get a Bible into someone's hand and they get saved. And then you know what they start to do? They start reading it. And then they start doing it. They read passages like we just read today and they forgive people. 
even people who are their enemies. So what if the Gideons gave you a Bible this morning and you actually believed it and read it and did it? Anybody have any difficult people in their lives right now? If you can't think of anybody, guess what? You're the difficult person. <laughs> yeah. Jesus isn't messing around this morning. He gets right to our hearts. So as we look at the sermon on the plane again, let's just jump right in. So we're in Luke chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 27 with love your enemies. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. The way to approach your enemy or one who is difficult to love is to actually love them and to pray for them. To see, it says pray for those who mistreat you. So if you think of someone and you have a serious dislike for them or even a hatred, how do you break out of that cycle of hatred? How do you break out of that cycle of you just can't stand them? I mean, maybe it's someone you don't even know. Maybe it's someone, I don't know, political. They come on TV, you're like, I can't stand that person. But there are people in your lives and in your sphere. What do you do? You pray for them. You will find one of the ways that you can break out of this cycle of hatred for another person is to pray for them. And I know you grew up in churches that keep the applications till the end of the sermon, but I'm going to hit you right now with some application, all right? Think of that difficult person. Let me encourage you to pray for them every day over the next 30 days. How about that for a challenge? Think about that person. You can't stand them. You know that's not good to be in your heart. You want to break out of that cycle starting today. Pray for them every single day for 30 days. Come back and see me in 30 days. Money back guaranteed. Here we go. Pray for them. Pray for them. Look at verse 29. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Now let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Okay. These verses have been misconstrued. This is not talking about domestic abuse, all right? Some of you may have been in those situations in the past and you may have been in a church, you've read this, so if you, you know, something is abusive in your marriage and just continue to tolerate it and put up with it. No, it's not what this is talking about. And if you find yourself here in that situation, we're here for you as a church. We could help you if you need to get out of a situation. We can bring the authorities. I mean, that is a serious thing. I want to make sure that I get that out front really quick. This is not talking about domestic abuse. What this is talking about here is probably some type of slap of insult. A better way to think about it is if someone cusses at you, you want to cuss back at them. Or if they, they make fun of you, you want to make fun back to them. I know, no, I know you would never do that, especially online. No one would ever do that on Facebook or next door, right? Nobody in here, at least. So if you find yourself... You're thinking, well, what, what good does that do to not strike back? Well, it, it, it does three things, okay? The first is it, it deals with your own heart. When someone comes at you and you don't come back at them, it deals with your own heart. And second, 
It may change the situation of non-retaliation. You can think about Martin Luther King, you know, non-retaliation. And three, it leaves room for the wrath of God. So if you want to break out of this vicious cycle of hate for someone else, pray for them. If you want to break out of this vicious cycle of revenge, don't fight back. Insult me? All right. I'm not going to insult you back. Jesus is being very practical. How do you break out of the cycle of hatred? Pray for the enemy. How do you break out of the cycle of revenge? Don't fight back. He continues. Let's keep going. Verse 29. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. This is probably referring to a law court. If someone was sued and won a settlement for their coat or their tunic, basically their clothes, then go and give them your shirt as well. Basically, it's going to make you naked. There's nothing more vulnerable than being naked before a court of law. They give, they take, give them more. Keep going. Verse 30. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Now, this one really troubles me the most, right? Someone takes from me, don't demand it back. But if you're already turning the other cheek, you're already blessing your enemies, then what's the big deal if someone takes from you or demands from you and you don't get it back? Once again, I, don't, I want to qualify this, okay? You ready for this? This does not mean that you're supposed to prop up irresponsible adult children, okay? Don't use this verse for that. There is no verse for that. Bible talks about, you know, you don't work, you don't eat type concept. So what does this mean here about loving those who demand from you and giving to those who ask of you? That's why we have small groups. I'd love for you to get into your small group this week and discuss what does this mean and try not to explain it away and get a lot of of stories of what it does not mean. Talk about what it means. But look at the golden rule. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you, okay? You probably have that on your wall somewhere, all right? But practically, what does it mean? Look at verse 32. Look at verse 32 of what it means. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those for whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to receive back the same amount. Even sinners can love those who love them back. Even sinners can do good to those who do good to them. Even sinners can lend to others who live to them. There is no specially heavenly favor for doing what comes natural. But when we love those who don't love us back, that is starting to become more like God. Now, how many of you are reading these and thinking, impossible? Anybody? Come on now. Anybody? Impossible? Anybody? You're thinking, these are just impossible. It reminds me of a couple of retired people I read about. I read about this retired couple, husband and wife, and they decided that rather than buy a home in the village or wherever they were going to buy a home, (laughs) They decided to book 50-plus back-to-back cruises and live on a cruise ship. Does that sound a little crazy? Some of you are thinking, that's a good idea. 
But that may sound extreme, right? And that's why you look at this, you go, well, that's, that's extreme. That, that can be good for a certain group of people, but most people are not going to live on a cruise ship. Most people are, are not going to actually do this, are they? Well, that's what Jesus expects of his followers. The point is we are to imitate our Father because this is the way God is to sinners. Look at verse 35. Beloved your enemies and do good. And Lynn, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Does God love ungrateful people? Does God love wicked people? Think about it. Think of all the evil that happened in the world this weekend, and God still let the sun shine and still brought the rain. It's raining right now. That is a good thing. Do you think, you think we deserve it? You know what I mean? You get that? I was watching a, 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 some snippets from a golf tournament in Phoenix this past weekend. Loads and loads of drunk people. They had to stop selling alcohol and shut the gates. So many people, debauchery, partying, all at this golf tournament. And then the sun came out. Do you realize how many injustices happened in the world last night? All around the world? And yet God brought the rain. Why is God treating evil people like that? Because they're made in his image. And he's being merciful on them. And he desires none to perish but them to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. If that is how our father treats wicked people, how much more can we treat those who are challenging and difficult in our lives? Be merciful as your Father is merciful. All right, so what does that look like? I want to read you something, right? Because I mean, we just can't walk away from here where you're going, I have no idea what this looks like. Let me read this to you from Michael Wilkins. Do we have this quote from Michael Wilkins? He says, I define love as an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person in which I give myself to bring the relationship to God's intended purpose. I'm going to read that again. I define love as an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person which I give myself to bring the relationship to God's intended purpose. God has placed difficult people in your life to love to bring that relationship to his intended purpose. And here is the question you need to ask in that difficult relationship. It's this. What does God want for this relationship and how can I best give myself to bring it about? What does God want for this relationship and how can I best give myself to bring it about? I, I dare you to ask that question. What is God doing in this difficult relationship with this difficult person? What's he trying to do? What's he trying to do in them? What's he trying to do in me? And this brings us to the issue and the idea of judging. I'm just wondering, and I don't want to see a show of hands. I'll, I'll raise my hand. Are there any judgmental or critical people in here? <laughs> I, I, am, I mean, we, we, we are. We all have this judgmental and critical attitude. And so we got to jump into the next part. Verse 37. 
do not judge and you will not be judged. And do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Now, when the Bible says do not judge, I mean, I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It it doesn't mean we can't discern between right and wrong. That is a massive misunderstanding of what Jesus is getting at. When someone says there is no hell or premarital sex is not sin, no. Premarital sex is sin. There is a hell. There is a wrath. I mean, we can make these judgments, okay? We can make judgments between right and wrong and what's harmful. We can do that, all right? But what Jesus is getting at here is the type of person who judges in the sense of having a condemning and critical spirit where you present yourself as superior over the other person or the other people and you look down upon them with a critical and judgmental and condemning spirit, which can be in all of us. Let me give you an example. I, I promise you this quote I'm about to read to you is not from someone in our church, all right? Or someone I've met online. It's, just, it's, a, it's a bland quote, but it may apply to about half of us. Are right, you ready? I have judged my wife for being fearful, obsessive, slow, and about 10 other things. Anybody? I have judged computer programmers for writing software that is not user-friendly, civil engineers for unclear road signs, other drivers for cheating when merging in construction zones. What are you guys laughing about? (laughs) (laughs) Businessmen for being greedy and dishonest and politicians for being corrupt. I have judged weak people for being burdens on society and strong people for being insensitive to weak people. Conservatives for being fearfully closed-minded and liberals for being irresponsibly open-minded. I have judged Christians for being lukewarm hypocrites and other Christians for being unrealistic fanatics. And I have judged the general public for being stupid, selfish, and (laughs) short-sighted. Anybody... (laughs) Yeah. So when we're in this criticism mode, we like look down with this superior attitude where we're almost like condemning others. And and trust me, you bring this attitude in a marriage. Yeah. Bring it into a church. Right. Jesus continues rather than being judging. Look what he says. Verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they both not fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. So instead of leaning in the direction of judging, we got to lean in the direction of forgiveness and the benefit of others and give them life and have overflowing blessings. The imagery here is like a, a garment held out where you're just pouring in grain and you're shaking it up and you're pouring it into the garment. You're blessing someone so that it's overflowing. We're seeking to bless, not criticize. Because here's what happens if you judge others. If you judge others, you tend to be blind to your own issues and you put it out there like in gossip, maybe say on the internet and others agree with you and you just all end up in a pit together. Better to be the one who is not critical but gracious toward others. So those 
who imitate you will have this gracious spirit. And now we're going to talk about the log and the speck. Look at verse 41. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take that little speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is talking about issues we may have among believers. If you see something in someone else's life, don't go all Dr. Phil on them and try to rip their issue out and embarrass them and shame them. First, deal with your own heart. Does it mean that we have to be sinless or that we're perfect? It means, okay, we are dealing with our own stuff and our own lives. We're growing in sanctification. We see something going on in someone else. We move toward them and we move toward them with, with grace and mercy. We don't want to be hypocrites. First, we deal with our hearts and then we move toward others. I want to read to you this, this wonderful quick quote from William Warren. He says, after self-criticism takes place, relationships are based on redemptive empathy rather than condemning attachment. Okay? So if someone has something you need to correct, you do it in a redemptive way that's empathetic. You're dealing with your own issues rather than pouncing, clobbering them with such a condemning detachment as if how dare you do that you see the distinction we have this redemptive empathy let me let me help you with this spec because I got issues I need to deal with as well rather than having this big old log hanging out of our eyes and just pouncing and condemning someone now if, if anyone has this critical spirit in, in their heart and they've had a hard time dealing with others because you just tend to judge them I mean then just I mean, really think about it I Probably within marriage can be the context where a lot of this judgment can happen, where you, you judge your spouse, set yourself above them, and think that you're so much better than them. I mean, no one really likes to live with someone who has a critical spirit. That's, that's not a fun way to live, is it? So if you find yourself with that critical spirit in your marriage, or in your, in your life among your friends or whatever, I'm going to share with you some things here in closing that I think is going to help you if you have this judgmental and critical spirit that, that has been shared with me and I've shared it with others before. And I, and I think it's going to help you break out of the cycle. Now, once again, if you're in the cycle of, you know, hating your enemies, pray for them. Remember, if you're in the cycle of revenge, don't retaliate. So how do you break out of this cycle of having a judgmental and critical spirit? All right, I'm going to share some things with you that have been shared with me here at the end. All right, you ready for this? Number one, the reality is that God is the judge. You are not. Get off the throne. For real. I mean, I know you feel like, oh, man, I got to just take care of that. I got to bring the hammer. God's God. 
He'll take care of these things. Something horrendous may have been done to you and you want to strike back out to someone from your past, someone from your family. God is God, not you. He's the judge. He'll deal with them in his time. The second thing that I find helpful is that you need to understand that judging is legalistic. Do you, do you, know, you understand what that means? Legalism bases acceptance on performance. If you perform rightly, I'll accept you. If you do not perform rightly, I will not accept you, but I will make you feel bad. I'll make you feel shame. I'll make you feel condemned. See, when you have a critical spirit and you're judgmental, you're just bringing the hammer and not grace. And we want to be people who are bringing grace. Why? Because grace has been shown to us. We want to be merciful as our Father is merciful. But let's get to the heart of the matter. Number three, we often use judgment to, to protect ourselves from pain. Right? It's like we feel cornered, right? When someone's coming at you, you just kind of feel cornered and you want to strike back. I want to read something to you I found helpful. It's basically this. When you want to judge others or when you're hurt, you have two options. Right? Listen to these two options. When someone hurts you, you have two options. Listen to this. When somebody else's selfishness, hatred, greed, deceit is coming against me and I do not have the power to protect myself or to rectify the situation, I have two choices. I can stand in the clean pain of being harmed as a powerless victim, the pain of powerlessness, helplessness, and injustice, and turn to the Lord to help me deal with the situation and for healing. Or I can judge the person. You deserve punishment, and someday you will get it. I may not be able to give it to you now, but I'm better than you, and one day you'll get it. Do you see the distinction? When someone hurts you, you can take the pain and you can say, that hurt, I feel weak, I feel powerless, but Lord, I hand it to you. I'm not going to strike back. Or when someone hurts you, you can say, I hate you. I'm going to strike back at you. And if I can't strike it back at you, I'm going to make sure one day you get what's coming to you. And if not me, someone else is going to give it to you. Those are two ways to approach. One is redemptive empathy. One is condemning attachment. And so if there's anyone in here like me who has this issue of criticism, condemning, judgment, this brings us to number four. Confess and renounce judgmentalism and ask the Lord for a heart of repentance and for freedom to love. My brothers and sisters, I really believe we need to see the way our Father treats us. We are enemies of his and he showed us grace. And I believe that as his followers, we need this broken spirit of repentance because some of us in here need to confess this morning to trying to play God, to trying to bring down the hammer, to try to bring down our own judgment as we see fit. And what we need is forgiveness in Christ. That's why he went to the cross and died. That's, we get the grace through his death and resurrection by faith. 
and we can move toward others with redemptive empathy instead of condemning detachment. And so if that is your heart this morning, you're like, yeah, I I really want to move towards others with empathy, and I'm, I'm dealing with my own stuff, and I'm t- I'm, it's not going well. I'm condemning others. I know God doesn't like that. And so if you're here this morning and you want to start to move toward that difficult person with redemptive empathy, have I got a prayer for you. Once you pull that out of your bulletin, I left it in there as an insert. I think it's a very appropriate prayer for us to pray at the end. I'm going to read through it once. And then we'll go to the Lord and I'll pray through it, okay? So let me just read it first. I confess this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness towards, don't say it out loud, as sin. I confess that I don't have the right or the ability to judge. I ask your forgiveness for this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness. I renounce this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness. I'm willing to forgive and release sin against me. I acknowledge that I cannot change my own heart and mind. I ask you to give me true repentance. I ask you to give me your heart, your mind, your truth, and your compassion, humility, and forgiveness towards regarding Lord, I cannot free myself, but I'm willing to be freed. I cooperate with your desire to free me by consenting to your work in my heart. Well, if you want to pray that prayer for real toward a person that you have in mind, I think now's the time to do it. So I will pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. But let's take this time and go to the Lord in prayer. I confess this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness towards as sin. I confess that I don't have the right or ability to judge. I ask your forgiveness for this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness. I renounce this judgment, condemnation, self-righteousness, and bitterness. I am willing to forgive and release against me. I acknowledge that I cannot change my own heart and mind. I ask you to give me true repentance. I ask you to give me your heart, your mind, your truth, and your compassion, humility, and forgiveness towards regarding Lord, I cannot free myself, but I'm willing to be freed. I cooperate with your desire to free me by consenting to your work in my heart. Amen.